Welcome to On The Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 108 for the 28th of May, 2009. So, James, how are you? I'm most excellent, Ian, and how the devil are you? I'm fabulous. It's a beautiful, uh, well, it was a sunny day in London today, but it's kind of clouded over and it seems like a good time to be on the couch. Indeed, it is. Just cozying on down <laughs> and chatting about the latest news that's uh, to do with kind of, I guess, digital media y kind of stuff and business, content delivery, mobile, gaming, and, and uh, uh, other wacky stuff. And there's the a weird and wonderful there's a fair wacky of, stuff. And stuff in almost every category this. Uh, yeah, we've had a bit of an intermission, haven't we? Because we've been uh, traveling and things like that. Yeah. So uh, it's good to be back here with you, Ian. And, Indeed, uh, it's to see fabulous. what's going on. It's uh, never quite the same when I'm talking to myself. <laughs> I'm sure you, you cope. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, that's the first sign of madness, talking to yourself. <laughs> but the second sign is when you answer yourself. That's the, uh, yeah, well, the maybe, maybe in, the, in that On The Catch episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Auto couch. <laughs> that's right. Uh, mm. But probably not so good for our listeners. So um, glad you're mm. here, James. Indeed, and you're in. So let's crack on. Um, bit of 3D news from those uh, B Sky B, the, the satellite guys over here in the UK. Yes. Um, what do you think about that? Well, they're doing some some more trials, and uh, this mm. is this is an article talking to Brian Lenz, who's uh, one of the 3D product managers over there at. Uh, okay. Uh, at Sky is the head of product design and innovation. I guess 3D certainly fits into the innovation category. Yep. And they're talking about some of their plans for uh, for other trials, including uh, ballet, which I think uh, it's got to be a good one to do in 3D. Yeah, I've, I've seen that, in fact. I've seen the footage or some of it really? in a few minutes. Yeah. What was it like? Uh, actually, it's pretty good. I, I went to the um, this article that you'll see in the show notes has got um, talks about a couple of pieces of production they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is... Uh, Usain Bolt running 150 meters, um, mm-hmm. and the other one is filming. I don't know, it's some kind of youth ballet or something doing um, mm-hmm. Swan Lake in the Painted Hall in Greenwich. It's got an amazing venue wow. if you've ever been there. Um, but really, it was. I guess they've done these trials we've heard before about will it play out through a set top box, mm-hmm. and they've proved that works. Um, yeah. So the next bit is what challenges are they going to have mm. producing the 3D video. Mm. and directing it and all this kind of stuff so the ballet thing I, I was at this um, the Hay Festival which is a kind of literary festival here in the UK but yeah. it's more than it's like comedy and music and turning into a sort of they say it's like those of you who know the Guardian newspaper it's like a Guardian reader festival <laughs> sponsored by the Guardian and indeed Sky in fact as well uh-huh. um, but I, I sat in on filming of um, a game show um, mm-hmm. And before the game show, actually, I went to two of these filmings. Actually, mm-hmm. before it, they showed a, like a, a show reel of Sky, it was Sky Arts HD, and the Sky Arts channels. But then we mm-hmm. got to put our little glasses on and watch a couple of bits of content. One of which was the um, the ballet stuff. Uh, oh, cool! And it was actually pretty good. You know, high definition, three D. Nice. Uh, so actually, and I think people were generally kind of quite impressed. Um, mm. Were you these, impressed, James? Like you're pretty hard to impress. Well, I must say I don't find ballet the most engaging content <laughs> and probably most of our listeners are probably in the same camp as me, I'd imagine. Right. Um, uh-huh. But if you are a ballet fan, do send us an email at uh, feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. Exactly. And, you know, I love the ballet in the subject line. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah it was it was pretty good and they they found things out when they're doing the shooting that it's not mm-hmm. that easy mm. um i think certainly the, the article here talks about filming the same bolt running 150 meters yeah clearly they they've got a big picture of a camera on rails and stuff but mm. they found that it was bouncing and stuff and you mm. know anything that makes your eyes if the 3d isn't produced correctly or it's slightly out of alignment yeah. it makes you feel sick so uh, yeah. a bit like the um I was reading in the UK's edition of Wired magazine about this puke ray, which is a non-lethal <laughs> weapon where they, they flash lights in your eyes at a certain right. frequency and your brain just can't handle it and makes you vomit. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of scope for doing that in 3D as well. <laughs> I see. So you have to be but, fairly careful about the way you film it. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. Because it's two cameras essentially side by side. Mm. Um, and, and then you know they've got to be synchronized and they've got to be perfectly aligned and mm. no one really knows how that's going to work. But yeah, it was actually quite good content. Yeah. Um, mm. So you're thinking of the three D, the three D kind of quality, not necessarily the. Quality. Well, I mean, it's HD, which is nice anyway. But the three mm-hmm. D adds a bit more depth and um, mm-hmm. a bit more of a sense of being there. I would still like to see some live sports. I've seen some clips of live sports, yeah. but only on small screens. I think you've got mm-hmm. to see the big screen, yeah, um, live sports experience, which has been well produced. And mm-hmm. uh, it, I think, it helps you suspend the disbelief. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, TV is is still pictures showed in. Um, rapid succession so if you can yeah. simulate a bit more 3d and a bit more immersive i think it'd be great so i'm looking forward to some of the um 3d movies that are coming out i still haven't seen any sort of live action 3d other yeah than- i mean uh, james cameron has a, a mm. film coming out called avatar which is in 3d yeah. which uh, uh, isn't that based on the i thought that was um 3d but based on it's like anime or something isn't it is it a real yeah i think it's i think it's animated but it's photorealism animation yeah. in 3d so Okay, we'll wait and see. That sounds quite fun. That'll be interesting. Okay. Mm. I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a couple of good reasons for 3D, I think. The first is, uh, you, you, obviously, uh, every operator is trying to add more value to the content and, yeah. uh, and give something that, that others can't. Um, but also, from a content producer's perspective, um, the great thing that I heard from uh, reading some articles about film production is that once you've got it in 3D in a cinema, it's very hard to pirate it. Yeah, I saw that as well, I think. Yeah, that was the... I, mean, I think that can, might be a kind of, oh, what else can we persuade people to go 3D? Mm. Um, yeah, because once it's... Because it, you just can't take a regular camcorder in there. No, um, it's not going to do it for you, so... Yeah, although um, I think a lot of the piracy happens on, um, you know, the pre-release, the, yeah, the preview screenings and stuff. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think that's kind of shutting the door after the horse is bolted, mm. but quite, uh, then you have to, I guess, just distribute on Blu-rays, which do 3D. Mm-hmm to get the preview copies and so yeah I mean it's an angle I take that um, what's about what's about Hulu doing concerts Sounds so we've, uh, we've we've talked about a Hulu a few times about how it's kind of uh, yeah. seems to have a bit of a bit of a head of steam about it in terms of producing content that people are actually going to watch via the internet yeah. and it's an article that talks about how Hulu is offering a live stream of a, a, a concert a Dave Matthews band Oh, that concert. well-known band. <laughs> well, I've heard of them, but I've never okay. actually listened to them. So, I Well, you're a music guy. Is this a bit like you know, the iTunes music store recording stuff so they get more first-run original content? Mm, possibly. Because then you get the rights for it. I guess that's the other thing. That <laughs> presumably, mm. it's a genre that Hulu can get into. That's right. I mean, they're, they're, they're not kind of... I mean, they're, they're pretty popular, but they're not... Um, you know, they're not... Uh, in the top ten, I would suggest, but <laughs> nevertheless... Um, so they're doing, well, they did a live concert. This is, oh, do we, sorry, no, no, it's the 1st of June. So hopefully if we get this out before the 1st of June, it'll be still up there. So it's 9 mm. p.m. 
uh, Eastern time. Uh, you can oh, watch right. this in uh, on Hulu. Uh, so it's the first time they've done a live concert and exclusively on Hulu. And so you can imagine right. if, if there's a band that you want to watch and it's exclusively on one of these venues, mm-hmm. then you'll be able to uh, stream that. And I don't know, it'll be interesting to see how they handle, because uh, uh, this is going to be point to point, uh, how mm-hmm. many people they can handle, whether they can handle the uh, number of con- uh, number of people actually watching it, and then eventually if they can make uh, and get enough exclusive or popular content, then turn that into something that they can actually make some money from. Right, and also can they support live streaming to people of the same content live? That's oh, right, absolutely. Cause there's a technology thing there as well. So. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Mm. Um, and, uh, I mean... Th- Nielsen uh, put out some stats lately that said that 99% of all video is still watched on a TV screen. So there's still that, <laughs> that barrier to overcome. Of Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess it's how it gets to the TV screen true. could blur in the future as well. I mean, traditionally it's coming via terrestrial cable or satellite. Yeah. But there's now, you know, Apple TV and other stuff, mm. um, media adapters. Maybe there's another way of getting it. But right now it's all about the TV. That's where the money is. Um, exactly. So see about that. Um, now, there's a story, a bit more news about this um, network DVR and cable vision, which we, we talked about probably about a year ago, didn't it? It was stuck in court yeah. because, um, is it a year ago? Three years, actually. God, we've been doing a podcast for that long? Probably not. <laughs> Apparently. Um, so what's the update on this then? Well, for those of you who don't remember, this was about um, cable viewers in New York, where cable vision's based, being able to record shows on a sort of network DVR. Yeah. Rather than having a hard disk locally, they could choose to record things and... Uh, but that was deemed to be different content rights as far as I could uh, regard. It wasn't PBR exactly. rights, it was like yep. VOD rights. Yeah. Um, so Cablevision have one, and they're, they're just about to start rolling that out this summer, uh, which I think um, this, this is a great thing for consumers because fundamentally if you can roll out a box that can do DVR on the network side, that mm. means your local box doesn't have to have a hard disk in it. It doesn't yeah. have to have uh, all the expensive processing and um, CPU power and so on to actually uh, dump stuff on disk and pull it back off disk and so on. It mm-hmm. means your actual set-top box can be much simpler and hence uh, much lower cost. It also means that from a power perspective uh, as a consumer, that set-top box is going to uh, actually take a lot less power to run. Well, that's once you've whacked in the fact that it's got to have a DOCSIS cable modem in it. <laughs> which is chewing huge amounts of power, probably more than the disc anyway. But uh, yeah, I agree. If you take the disc out, the other thing is less of a truck roll thing because discs do fail. Exactly. Uh, I mean, my skyboxes yeah. failed twice mm. and it was the hard disc both times. So yeah. it's... Uh, you don't want to put moving parts in a... If you can avoid product. moving parts, then fantastic. Mm. Or at least if... You know, I mean, this is what they're doing, obviously, as well as putting pushing the hard disc back to the, the data centers, yeah. back to the but end. I, it does appear the consumer may still get the shaft, it says in the article here. Oh, really? Um, because the network DVR, there's a good chance that it might be approved, but you won't be able to skip the ads. Ah, oh. <laughs> that's so, half the fun. You know, that classic PVR viewing mode where you, you watch a little bit in delay and can fast forward through the dull bits mm-hmm. um, won't be working for them. So, yeah. uh, But at least you can watch your favorite shows. So. Well, it'll be interesting. Well, if, if you're in a cable vision area, then um, we'd love to get some feedback on this. So mm-hmm. uh, if you can send us uh, some uh, information to feedback at onthecatchpodcast.com and tell us, are you getting a network DVR? Does it work for you? Mm-hmm. And because, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, again, there's still lots of technical issues to be, to be solved there. It's still streaming video point to point 
even if yeah. it's across cable using this network. So, and you know, is the performance going to be as good as a local PVR, etc.? Yeah, and it's going to be hard to do. You're going to have to stream HD and all sorts of stuff. That's still a challenge. Yeah, and can you watch one, record another? Yeah, I guess mm. you can do all of that server side. That's fine. True. But uh, you could presumably record as many streams as you like. That's true. Pretty much. Um, but I guess the question is whether you're actually recording something just for you or whether it's just referencing a central database of mm. all the content that's going out. Mm. Maybe that's part of the lawsuit. Anywho. Um, so onto mobile stuff. And, and I must confess that um, I now actually have a BlackBerry. Well, I've got one of those too. Yes, so last year. <laughs> I'm so last year, which I just thought I'd talk briefly about the the difference. Is that a personal BlackBerry, or have you ditched the no, iPhone? This, this is for work. I've got a still I've still got an iPhone, but uh, I had this enormously bad data bill when I was last in the US, and so uh, we looked at different ways of doing that. And mm-hmm. uh, the latest Blackberries uh, have a very cool feature where, on T-Mobile in the US, you can actually mm-hmm. roam to a Wi-Fi signal. Oh yeah, we talked about this, didn't we? Yeah, you yeah. can seamlessly, and when you're on Wi-Fi, it's free. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the nice thing for me is that I can have my BlackBerry here in the UK and it's exactly as if I was in the US, except I'm not roaming. Oh, okay, so, so you've got a US number, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Very cool. And uh, you, you need a fairly clear Wi-Fi um, signal. So at home, it's perfectly fine. Here at work, it does kind of get um, a bit upset every now and then because it's like, oh, there's, there's too much, too there's much, too much other stuff around. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's, uh, well, it's very interesting. And yeah, so. uh, it's just interesting comparing the whole kind of BlackBerry experience to the iPhone experience in terms mm. of applications. Um, right. There's a lot more capabilities on the BlackBerry for running applications in the background. Um, well, that's if it's not locked down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. And in my corporate BlackBerry, I can't run anything on it. Oh, okay. You can't download any apps or anything. Well, that, any. that is the other aspect that BlackBerry have a lot more control over uh, from, yeah. uh, from an enterprise perspective, what you do with it. Um, well, I think you have that as well in the iPhone environment. You can still wipe, okay. remote wipe, and you can put policies right. and all this kind of stuff. It's okay. just whether your admin has set them up. Right. Um, um, and it's interesting that uh, on the BlackBerry, you actually have to go to the internet and download an application, which then allows you to open the BlackBerry store. So it's kind of, there's a few barriers yeah. to entry to actually get into that that kind of capability of it. But Yeah, and you um, can't download apps and put them on separately. You have to typically get browse to them and get them. It, it's it's yeah. a different experience, as you say. Um, but uh, it's good to sort of try and I, I mean the, having a keypad is better as well I think but that's because my iPhone's bust type <laughs> stuff anyway um, roll well, on a new one and that's going to be happening next week I know who's that the news it's uh, next week is it yeah and the iPhone 3.0 and the Palm Pre are mm. all being announced uh, well presumably next week um, Palm Pre is coming out I think this weekend um and, and that's, that's a, so that's a kind of uh, iPhone competitor, is it? Well, allegedly the iPhone killer. And I heard today that apparently it syncs with iTunes as well. Oh, wow. That's so they've cool. just kind of spoofed the, uh, they've put the software <laughs> that does the spoofing. Fantastic. So, you know, bring on the Apple lawsuits, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> so that'll be interesting. You're going to be uh, over in the USA next week. So you might be yeah, able I'll to get, see if get I can a skinny on that. And, uh, in, in, uh, so if, if they come out with a new iPhone, do you want me to pick you on? pick you up one James well maybe but I don't think they'll actually I think they'll announce it but I don't think they'll come out with something yeah, but, okay. uh, but if they do uh, wait till the unlock is in guys <laughs> go for that one but I think I'm definitely up for an upgrade if there is a new new model out so that'll yeah be good. I think it's time isn't it it is time That's, uh, and I found some good apps I mean you've got an app here which is called Glimpse which is a mm. this looks like the Dell the uh, sorry the Google Latitude app yeah, it does. I, I, I can't tell the difference particularly other than, uh, I mean, actually, I could actually install the uh, the Google Latitude onto my BlackBerry. And for those of you who don't know, Latitude is one of these things where you agree to publish your 
you have you log on in, on Google. Google then asks mm-hmm. your device where you are and then publishes that to your friends. Yeah. So um, you can see where all your friends are on the map. Um, yeah. I have no friends uh, that have. Yeah, I have no Google <laughs> friends either, actually. I mean, <laughs> have those capabilities, so I can see yeah. myself on the map, but that's not so I much saw fun. Google are also doing video chat beta as well. I mean, everything's beta. Oh, obviously. that's cool. But so basically they're just trying to do a sort of we are Facebook thing. And, and even my, my BlackBerry's mm-hmm. got GPS in and that's uh, Google Maps is one of the blessed apps I'm allowed to have. Right. Uh, and that does include um, latitude by default kind of thing. You have to say, yeah, oh, I agree cool. and sign in. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you got the BlackBerry with the, the separate keys or the sort of pearl one, which is a bit thinner and each key's got two letters? No, it's the, it's the kind of fatter single that's key. One. Yeah, because the thin yeah. one's okay, but I can't for the life of me work out how to type in passwords and stuff. Oh, well, that's the truth. You see what I mean? Because each, if, yeah. you, if your password is the second letter, maybe someone point. who's listening can tell me. But <laughs> and actually, I don't know what my password is because I have to sort of work out what it is. But if it's entering like a Google Mail password, how right. do I do it? Because yeah. I can't see the things I'm typing in. Actually, that's because they're, they're asterisked out. You know, when you enter in the yeah, password. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought so, of that. It's a weird one. Anyway, um, so Glimpse so this is, is another app like This that. is Glimpse, and it's only running on the T-Mobile's G1 at the moment, although this, they reckon this is coming out for other... This picture here, is that actually the G1? With that stupid That's thing? The G1, like, yeah. It looks like a plug-in bit at the bottom. Yeah, well, the, the screen actually slides up, and there's a keyboard underneath. Mm-hmm. I had a look at one of these in the States as well, because it's a, it's a T-Mobile product. Mm. Uh, and people seem to really like it. Um, looks a bit plasticky. Fisher Price yeah. phone, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> It does does look a bit weird, mm. but uh, the screen kind of slides up and around, so it's it's kind of funky. But yeah, it's uh, like the watching TV kind of phones that uh, mm. everyone in Japan's got, but doesn't watch TV on. Um, <laughs> so it's it's a very similar thing to to Latitude. Latitude only, only allows you to see your friends, and only allows you to see it from see that this is their compromise on security. It only allows you to see your friends on your mobile device, so you can't sit at a computer and see where your friends okay, are, for example. Right. Uh, and on Latitude, you can actually see it from a web page, but uh, you can only allow people to see where you are for a certain amount of time. Like but presumably, half an other hour people have to have glimpse as well. It's one of these member get member kind of things. So mm, it's I think you can see it on a you can see it on a, a website though, but I'm not yeah. actually sure. So, so one of our listeners, Andy, told me about an app for the iPhone called I think it's called is Bump or something. Bump, yeah, uh-huh. which is an iPhone app where you. It uses the accelerometer to register, oh, there's another phone nearby, and you bump phones together, and then as long as the other guy's got bump, it will swap your contact data between the two via Wi-Fi. Oh, that's cool. Um, and pop it into your address book. So, um, But again, the other person has to have it. So the first conversation is, do you have bump? <laughs> It'll be like, what? Who is this weirdo? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Here's my business card. Take it away. Run away. Yeah. This, um, this kind of problem has been solved, I think. Yeah. But I mean, that's an example of the... the um, the G1, the Android Marketplace. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's, is it a free app, this Glimpse thing? I guess it is. No one's going to buy that, are they? No, I don't think so. But they're trying to make it cross-device, but I guess that makes sense. Well, that was the other thing I found about the BlackBerry apps is they're really expensive. Like, yeah. I found a very cool kind of um, uh, speak into the microphone and it you know, can text people your speech kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, But if you want to uh, use it to more than a trial, it's $18. Well, that's because there's that a real about? person transcribing into the other end. <laughs> there could be, actually. That's yeah. what it is. That's, that's how it works. Um, serious? Are you serious? Yeah. No, seriously. It's, it's like, you know, um, Digital Turk stuff. It's, wow. Uh, it's real people transcribing stuff. Crikey. So, you know, that's either going to be a subscription service or a, a big upfront fee. Wow. Um, but I guess, um, kind of moving on, I guess the OV store's opened as well. This is the mm-hmm. 
Nokia, yeah, the Nokia store. Okay. That's opened everywhere uh, now, uh, apparently. Um, quite how, you know, is there going to be store wars uh, mm. about, you know, we've got Android, Apple, Ovi, Blackberry, everyone's doing it. But no, uh, it's at least four, isn't it? Who's going to prevail? Um, and I mean, the app providers must be, I think we talked to didn't someone like Fraunhofer's planning to do a sort of, you know, write once and we'll publish everywhere. Oh, right, that's the, cool. The intermediary kind of thing, mm. but that's going to really dumb down the number of uh, the app yeah. interfaces you can use. So, I mean, the other difficulty is that all of these phones have very different interfaces from the BlackBerry kind of trackball thing, the yeah. touch screens, the, it's all, it's all quite hard. Yeah. Oh, it's remains to be seen, but you're, you're, um, you know, dabbling in both camps there. Um, yep. I, I put it down to, you know, gadget experimentation, but, uh, Really, it's all about saving money on phone bills. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's the roaming thing. I mean, it is. It's crazy. I mean, it, there was some news, I think, in UK, Vodafone introduced call roaming, which they mm-hmm. said they're doing a three-month trial called Passport, I think, where they said that you can roam in Europe on right. Vodafone networks and they won't charge you any more for your call plans. That sounds perfectly reasonable to me, given that it doesn't cost them anything to do that. Well, but data, I don't know. Yeah, see, this is where I get upset because data doesn't cost anyone anything anywhere, and yet the roaming charges for data are exorbitant. Uh, and yeah, as you know, <laughs> as I know, <laughs> as my finance director will tell me. Yeah. Um, well, you can always turn the data running off. Well, you can see. See, the problem is that uh, I think what happened with my iPhone. This is our current theory: is that. I have some sort of rogue calendar entry that um, kept trying to get synced up, which also explains why my iPhone had a battery life of about four hours. Oh, you were surfing porn on it. Come on. Okay, you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, which was fine in the UK because the data rates are, you know, whatever, you, whatever, however much you can eat in the UK. But as soon as yeah. you go to the US, for example, it hit my, because we, we have a kind of business data plan, it hit the limit and then kept going and then kept Ooh. going at six pounds a meg. That's outrageous. And, uh, yeah, it was outrageous. Yeah, I but guess we're, we're moving on from that now. An Outlook client tends to cane the uh, <laughs> the phone. Um, it does. Hmm. Right, moving on to games. We've done enough mm. mobile. Well, well, let's mm. see what happens. You know, get the votes in. Palm Pre versus iPhone three. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, okay, gaming. Um, mm-hmm. Have you fired up a game recently? No, my gaming has been completely uh, iPhone based. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. Uh, me too. Actually, I haven't uh, haven't fired up a game. Yeah, at we, all. we both kind of. You kind of. It's a kind of home thing, really, isn't it? You got to yeah. kind of be home to. Maybe not a summertime a thing as well. Yeah, it's um, a nice kind of. It's starting to warm up, and there's nice weather out there. Hmm. So but the trend in America is a bit different, where uh, about sixty three percent of Americans have played a game in the last six six months, and about fifty three percent have gone out to a movie in the same period. So. The theory here is that more Americans are playing games no, than it's just are going a to the statistic, movies. isn't it? It's just like, well, oh, of course it's a statistic. Did survey must make up amazing, newsworthy <laughs> uh, story. Um, well, it reckons that the average game is spending about thirty-eight dollars a month on uh, on gaming content. But they've, they, if you look at the breakdown here, mm-hmm. uh, the games include games on a gaming website, social mm-hmm. networking games, like Scrabbleus and stuff mobile mm-hmm. games and things like that. So there's quite a few other games. Yeah, that they didn't pay for. Exactly. So it's, well, there's, mm-hmm. you know, how much 
they have played a game in the last six months could mean you know playing the lottery or something <laughs> so another junkie survey but very good obviously all power well, to the gamers uh, I don't know do you think uh, I mean I think I think the movies are still kind of up there in terms of uh, entertainment content you know uh, affecting not just uh, movies themselves, but actually content flow onto DVDs and Blu-rays and pay TV and free-to-airs and so on. So it's obviously mm. still a lot bigger, but uh, gaming is certainly seeming to have an impact on uh, where Americans, at least, and I think generally um, people yeah, are still, I would to spend say their definitely it's a, it's a growing genre, isn't it? I mean, they're saying games are still the grossing, they eclipse the movie business, didn't they, from a gross takings. So, right. Um, for some, some titles, at least. So, hmm. Gaming is, is definitely on the ascendant, I would say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so there we go. Look in the show notes if you want more details about that. So, uh, Indeed. Now, James, we're into our other category here, and I, I must confess um, that this is, this is your story, so can you explain <laughs> this one? Well, this is my military roots coming out here, <laughs> um, and also a slight fascination for Judge Dredd, for those of you who don't know, the right. 2000 AD kind of future... Judge, jury, and executioner, and cop uh-huh. kind of guy, Judge Dredd. Have a look mm-hmm. at from 2000 AD. Um, and also the US military uh, are trialing a new kind of rifly thing called the XM25. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, they're talking, this is almost like a game thing, really. It does. It sounds good. I thought it was actually some sort of gaming controller until I no, read it. No, no, no. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, basically you can not shoot around corners exactly but you uh-huh. basically you there's a laser range finder on it and you mm-hmm. point at something and you say okay you do a laser range find say it's on a i don't know the, the one of the examples it gives is a, is a cave you can sort of shoot at maybe the the door to the cave and then you know mm-hmm. that inside there's a bad guy 10 meters inside right. but you can't see him uh-huh. or her so what you do is you, <laughs> you laser the front of the, the um the cave and then you uh-huh. dial up i want to go 10 meters beyond that Oh, then you right. select a kind of uh, like grenade shell or something, mm-hmm. fire it, and then when you press the trigger, it sends a signal to this smart uh, weapony thing, mm-hmm. which goes into the cave and it precisely ten meters inside will explode. Fantastic! Uh, so effectively, you can sort of shoot round corners and stuff like that. And this is going to save the U.S. Department of Defense lots of money because mm-hmm. what they used to do in the past is call up a, a helicopter gunship or a Right, uh, to fire a very expensive Hellfire <laughs> missile or a, right. a laser-guided bomb to get, mm-hmm. you know, if there's a sniper on top of a roof, you can't see him, can't shoot him. But oh, if, with this thing, you can sort of aim for the roof and then say, oh, one two metres further on, and then just, uh, and it calculates, it tells you how where to aim as well if you're going to do a, yeah, right. a sort of parabolic shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reference here to Judge Dredd is he had this kind of cool gun as well. Right. He had, like, lots of different types of ammo, and he could sort of dial up, you know, armour-piercing and just by speaking to it, he'd say, I'm right. piercing, blah, 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 bang. And then... And it would happen. Round right. the corner, baddie killer, ka-ching. <laughs> anyway, so, and it, it's... But it does look a bit like something from a, uh, a game, I must say. It does, yes. Yeah, I kind of looked at the pictures and went, hey, okay, do I plug that in my Wii or what do I do? Yeah, chameleon video camouflage coating still suffers from pixelization. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> hello. I'm not sure how real it is anyway, but... Uh, Interesting. Quite, I thought that was quite cool. Um, yeah, that is very cool. So, uh, Very cool. Must get myself one of those. Not bad as well. Um, and I guess in the same realm, essentially, <laughs> is mm-hmm. invisibility cloaks. Um, I don't, have you seen any of these videos on YouTube? I'm sure if you do a YouTube thing for invisibility cloak. No. I think I, some it Japanese... It never occurred to me to search for <laughs> on, on YouTube. Well, some Japanese guys did something once where they, they uh-huh. kind of... It, it was kind of a... 
they had a screen with lots of cameras and stuff. So basically it projected onto a cape from the front mm-hmm. what was behind you. So you essentially you couldn't right. see the person holding this cape thing. Okay. And it was corrected for... So basically... Um, moving on from that they've made and they can make these sort of cloaks that do this mm-hmm. uh, but they um, I guess the, the pixelization was quite difficult to deal with because mm. you've got to have a camera on one side and one on the other so they've come up with a, a way of doing it so it's more um, more easy to do and the, okay. the other thing, and I think and I'm talking rubbish here, aren't I? The, the other thing was... Um, can I load they, one now? Like, where can I get one of these? They had kind of stuff where light would just pass around the object. See, that's cool. So it'd be like, um, you know, it hits you and your mm-hmm. cloak would bend the light around you. Mm. So someone looking at you would just see what was behind you. They wouldn't see you. That's and that, that would be... Because you, you can like sit in on meetings and no one yeah. would know you were there. And I think that's that's on the list after producing gold from lead. <laughs> uh, so, but I mean, I'm fascinated by the fact that people are still working on this. Like, yeah. Um, you know, if you if you come out with a, a plausible invisibility cloak, you'll be you know. You'll be invisible. No one will see you. Where is he? He's not there. I can see him. Where is the invisibility cloak? I don't know. I've lost it. I put it down somewhere. Can't find it anywhere. That's exactly right. Classic joke. Um, oh dear. And what else? And I've got my, uh, finally, at last, I've got my mm-hmm. um, go cycle. My hey, cool. electric, cool cycling thing. Because I, I was cycling home from work last week and... Mm-hmm. Uh, this is cycling, you know, like with pedals and things. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it stops at the traffic lights and there was a guy with a go cycle. So I stopped and had a chat with him at the traffic lights and he was pretty happy with it. Yeah, I, I must say I've been experimenting, I should say experimenting, with the um, American mode of use on all this. <laughs> what does the, that mean? Not, not, not pedaling? No, the, well, the, yeah, that's, there's, uh, there are differences between the EU mode, which is obviously I'm only allowed <laughs> to use legally on the road in the UK. So I've been practicing off the road. Um, oh, right. And What's in the EU, EU mode, you have to be pedaling. Uh-huh. And you have to keep pedaling and you have to be below five miles an hour or something and pressing the button and then it will give you power. Right. In the American mode, you just press the button and it gives it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of what you're doing and how fast you're going. Right. Um, and takes you a bit faster. Uh, which cool. is kind of what you expect from a bike. I mean, this, this morning, yeah. I, I did a five-mile cycle right this morning. Mm-hmm. And Without pedaling? No, I did pedal, but not up the hills. <laughs> <laughs> which is the whole point, in my mind. So, cool. okay. But it is, it is a cool piece of kit. It's uh, a nice-looking bike, actually. It's kind of futuristic it, yeah. and kind of funky. It's a bit bigger than I thought it was going to be, I must admit. Mm-hmm. When, you, know, you see things for real. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's nice, and it's kind of put together with lots of... I haven't managed to take it apart yet, but to be honest, I've only had... <laughs> <laughs> I've only had it hands-on for about an hour, so that's um, fantastic. Because looking forward to to getting a little fitter before I attempt my uh, nineteen-mile <laughs> cycle into work. So, that's cool. Uh, and and can you do you plug it into a normal power socket? Like, what do you do? Can't there is a, the like a chargey thing that you have to plug into okay. it. So uh, it's got um, nickel metal hydride battery. But, uh, mm-hmm. Just leave it on charge all the time. That's nice. I mean, when you look at it, you can't really see where the battery is or where the motor is or anything. It just, no, it's, it's pretty it's much really hidden, cleverly it's, it's a bit done. more stylish. Um, so it is. It's very cool. It's very cool. Uh, but the seat could be a little more comfortable. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the the thing that puzzled me is it just seems to have one red button and that's it. Is that, is that yeah. all you need? The button's a bit lame as well. It needs to be a bit more ergonomic. It's just like a, just a button-y switch thing. It could have yeah. made it a bit more sexy. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, 
at the end of the day, it works. So, Ooh, cool. Really uh, cool. So is your plan to cycle into work and then plug it in and then cycle home again? Is that what you have to do? Well, I think the first time I might get my wife to pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I mean, don't underestimate You're not even going to cycle home. Well, it's going to uh, take me probably an hour at least to get in, I'd say. Yeah. 19 miles. Not too bad. Yeah. But I've got to try you know, keep my exactly. eco-credentials I'll, I'll, Well, I'll, I'll look forward to hearing the stories about yeah. how you go with that. Our next broadcast from hospital. <laughs> hospital couch. <laughs> Hopefully not. But, uh, <laughs> That's great. So um, do send us your feedback at feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. We'd like to hear from you. Um, Indeed. And uh, keep on rolling. I look forward to why not. Indeed. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week. Yeah. Goodbye from me. And bye from me. Bye. Bye.